I like to call these episodes Podcast Stew. It's a bunch of little topics put together. So today we're going to be talking about YouTube music and its impact so far. Listen notes. I did find some research and it's still kind of crap. Uh, Episode title tips from NPR. A video that is so true, it kind of hurts. And what podcasters can learn from Daisy Jones and the Six. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting Sense 2005. I am your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you are new to the show, this is where I help you plan launch and grow your podcast my website is schoolofpodcasting.com if you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash listener you can save on either a monthly or yearly subscription and today is one of those shows that i kind of call podcast stew and what i mean by that are these are little topics that really aren't meant to be stretched out into a 20 minute segment but I think are worth pointing out. So the first one we're going to point out is YouTube Music. This was announced a couple weeks ago, depending on who you talk to, because it's really been announced two or three times, but it's now officially out there. And what this is, is you can now go into YouTube, and if you have a playlist, you can check that playlist and say, I dub thee a podcast. And to me, I say, hmm, now I, I am a little old curmudgeon on that. I kind of go, you know, if there's a mouse in the cookie jar, it doesn't make it a cookie. And so checking a YouTube playlist as a podcast, hmm, not really, because the only place that shows up as a, in air quotes again, podcast is in YouTube music. So, okay, we get it. And the curmudgeons have all said, that's not a podcast. But is it doing anything? Well, it turns out, uh, no, it's not. Ashley Carmen over at Blueberg. I love her stuff. She's the person that's pointed out. Remember when uh, iHeart was cheating with advertising and games and stuff like that? So she kind of came out and said, look, if according to PodTrack, some of the top you know publishers there, so you have NPR, the New York Times, things like that. These are people that get like 111 million downloads, and if you count Slate, which doesn't participate in the tracker, that drives me nuts. By the way, like, can we all just be transparent instead of like, hey, look the uh, the chart from iHeart ironically has all the shows from iHeart at the top. That's that's what a coinky dink. But Slate, which according to Ashley gets 190 million downloads a year, you know, a sizable number. Uh yeah, got 75 views per video over the past week. Now, for the record, let's not like completely brush that off. Yes, that's nowhere near the millions, but 75 a week is 300 a month. And I'm not going to sneeze at 300 extra views because you never know who is watching. So I say this to go, okay, that's better than zero. But I'm also very well aware that that is a like a hint of a fraction of their total views. And meh, yeah. So now when I looked at my numbers, 
what I did is I took all of my playlists on my YouTube channel and I felt like Oprah. I'm like, you're a podcast. You're a podcast. You're a podcast. Everyone's a podcast. And there was one I have called, I believe it's podcasting tips would show up as a, a podcast in YouTube music. And let's not forget it's YouTube music. And one of the first videos in that playlist, and I'm going to call it a playlist because it's not a podcast and uh, was about the one and only Joe Rogan. And uh, that has had absolutely zero growth. It's a very old video. And that's why I did this. It's an old video that doesn't get much play because it's probably three years old. And uh, I was like, well, this would be cool because if YouTube music is now bringing in new podcast listeners, that should probably maybe if I'm lucky, get some play. And the answer was uh, no, it's getting the same amount, like maybe a play a day. And so there's no giant onslaught, the golden switch that we're all searching for that. I always picture it to be about four feet tall, the switch with a a nice wall plate. That's also very shiny. And you just flip the switch and 10,000 downloads fall from heaven apparently is not coming from YouTube music because it doesn't exist anywhere. And so that's the whole plan on YouTube music. So now, Dave, are you saying I shouldn't take my videos and put them on, you know, as a podcast? No, absolutely. You should. What I'm also saying though, and I see this everywhere because everybody thinks, Oh wait, to be in YouTube music, I got to be on YouTube so I can make it a playlist. So it becomes a podcast with my magic wand. You're a podcast, little playlist. Uh, Easy on that. Easy on that. You don't have, and I see people that literally like, well, I was going to start a podcast, but now I got to make a video and I don't want to have to wash my hair to do a podcast. Well, I'm here again to remind you, you don't have to have video. There's more time to listen than there is to watch. And that's the part that drives me nuts with this whole podcast thing. It's making things very confusing and it's stopping people who have great content from starting a podcast. Let me give you an example. I did a ton of coaching last month and three of my favorite people that I work with were above the age of 70. Yeah, they were above. Not that that's old, by the way. I mean, I'm not, I mean, I got a ways till I get there, but I remember when I thought 50 was old and now I'm like, now 50 is not old. So these guys are 70. And they have something to say, and they're not exhausted, right? They've got something to say, and they want to say it. And by all means, they should. And if you tell them, oh, by the way, you've got to go buy a bunch of lights and a camera and have fun learning DaVinci Resolve or spend $300 on Camtasia or whatever it is, it's another hurdle. And that those hurdles stop people from putting out their, their content. And that's what drives me nuts about the whole video thing. It's stopping really great people with great content of all ages, for the record, of making podcasts. And that's why it drives me nuts. And it also is confusing. I've said this before. I know I sound like an old curmudgeon when I say a YouTube playlist is not a podcast, but I actually heard it in the wild. One of the reasons why I said this is going to cause a problem. And this clip is from Sounds Profitable, which is a a podcast about podcasting. And in this episode, Brian Barletta speaks with Lauren Passell and Ariel Nissenblatt. And they went out into like some park because April was adopt a listener month where you're supposed to go find somebody who doesn't listen to podcasts and find them a podcast that they should listen to. It's a great episode. I'll have a link in the show notes 
But this is what they found out, and this is where I was like, ah, that YouTube thing is coming back to bite us in the butt. They were asking people what podcast they listen to, and here's some of the responses, and here's some of the issues. I don't listen, but I have one. We got... I don't listen, but I have one. Yeah. Yes. We got... The... And then they couldn't remember the names of their pod. We were like, oh, what is it? And they were like, uh... We we're like, do you have a, like what? What do you mean by you have a podcast? What do you mean by this? It was very strange. Well, that that's actually the most interesting thing I think because a lot of times when they said what they listened to, I would look it up in all of my apps. I'm like frantically searching because I want to hear what these people are listening to. Unable to find eighty percent of them because they're just YouTube channels. And so YouTube music right now not really moving the dial. Now, granted, let's be fair, it's early, but they are thanks to them hijacking the word podcast. And as someone who, you know, makes money helping people understand things, you know, I get a little testy when you make things confusing or harder. I mean, come on, YouTube music. Who do you think you are? Spotify? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. This is another one that needs to be said, but I have new information and that is listen notes. If somebody is quoting you their listen note stats, they are either unaware that when they say I'm in the top 1.5%, that that is ranking them against all the dead shows. So I hope you're ranking higher than all the dead shows. And the other thing is, that is the number of people that are listening on listennotes.com. And I kind of looked, I tried to figure out how many people are using their website. I saw where 4,000 people have their extension for Chrome plugged in. And then I went and looked at Apple and they have 3 million downloads for their app. So I was like, okay, but I did see something because they have this thing called the global rank. And so they did say on their website, so I'll, I'll give them credit. Other website apps may claim that they have way more than 3,100,238 podcasts in their database. This is because they inflate the number by including a lot of one podcast that were already deleted long time ago. Two, super low quality podcasts, for example, no episodes at all, uh, only one 10 second episode in the RSS feed for testing or it's machine generated audio. Or number three, non-audio content distributed via RSS. So feeds with only PDF files or things like that. On the other hand, we, meaning listen notes, deploy automatic scripts 24 seven and human moderators daily to clean up the data. We try our best to minimize the number of such bad podcasts in our database. So I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then I looked at my buddy, Steve Stewart, who has the show Money Plan SOS. He hasn't had an episode out for about seven years, something like that. And he has a listen score of 42, which on a scale from one to 100, the higher the number, the better. And Steve is in the top 1.5%. And his last true episode was in 2015, he did put out a best of episode in 2020. So maybe that's what's keeping him alive. The fact that the show had an episode in the last three years, they don't consider it dead. But the interesting thing is, again, Steve is in the top 1.5% of a show that really hasn't had an episode out in roughly three to eight years. So I was on a show this week and it was really kind of bizarre because they had a team of about four to six people and the podcast was done over the phone, which if you are not a regular listener, I always say using 
an actual phone where I had to dial into somebody is the worst audio ever. And uh, this company that uh, interviewed me, they on their front page with a, a button that is as big as a scroll. It's it's ginormous. Says their listen score of 40, which I think is funny because remember, Steve had a listen score of 42. I have a listen score of 48. Ooh. And uh, they're in the global rank of 1.5%, which is where Steve is. And I'm in the top 0.5%. Now, I don't use that stat because, well, as I just explained, it's bogus. I hope I'm better than those shows that are dead. And so that's why, here's why it drives me nuts. Either A, you aren't familiar with how that stat is created, uh, which, okay, and, and people are using it in their marketing, and that's the thing. This company, after I'm interviewed, called me back to say thanks for coming on the show. And they then said, wow, that's so weird. You're kind of a podcast guru. And I'm like, yeah, proving once again that they did zero research on this. And then they wanted to know if I wanted to hire them to do my show. And I was just like, yeah, here's here's why it's seriously, this was the show. I called up. I said, here's what my business is. Here's where it is. Here's what I do. And I did kind of mention that I, I help podcasters avoid bogus information like listen note stats on a show that has the listen note stats run on the front page. Yeah, I did that. And, uh, you know, so they called back to see if they, if I needed help with my podcast, which was the whole point of having me on their show. They wanted to hear about the business. They wanted to learn about what makes me tick so they could then pitch me. And when they pitched me, they pitched me the listen notes thing. They said, well, we are in the top 1.5%. I'm like, you do know that's a crap. That's an absolute crap stat. And they were like, wait, what? Well, that's your opinion. That's subjective. I go, no, it's not subjective. Listen notes is a very, 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 very small, you know, pond. They're, they have a database for sale. And for the record, if I'm trying to do research on a potential guest, that's where I'm going to go. They have a really great search engine over there. So I'm not, I'm not so much anti-listen notes as I am eh, the stat thing. But uh, all they need now is to add charts for people to obsess over. And that would be great. But I, I did let the guy know. I'm like, yeah, that's not subjective. Listen notes is small. So you're saying, it's like me saying, hey, I am the top rated show on Sunday morning on the AM radio dial. You know, just find me at uh, WDUH 1590 AM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. This is the one I wanted to riff on a little bit here. This is based on the last episode of... Hey, here are some tips from Apple to grow your audience. And somebody asked me a question. And I was like, all right, that's a good episode. Let's jump on that. And that is, and I've talked about this in the past, but again, I'm coming with new information. And that is, how do I write a good episode title? And so what I did was I went out and asked my good friend, Uncle Google. Now, I could have asked my good friend, ChatGPT, but I didn't want to give you information that was two years old. And I'll have a link to this. It's from NPR out in the show description at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 878. I watched this thing on NPR, and this was their tips on writing a decent headline. A great headline makes a specific promise. It's easy to understand. Leads to a reaction. Is not too clever. And it captures the spirit of the story. So that was their summary. They also mentioned that, you know, you should have some keywords in there that people are searching for. 
And where do you put those? That's right. As far left as you can, which means if you're putting the episode number on the far left-hand side, you may be wasting that space, which is why I wanted to bring that up. But it's an interesting video. They have some examples of good and bad. Some other things that I was looking up, and this is from Medium. It's from a marketer named Mike Masterson, and he has four rules. Make it unique. So don't just have the person's name because there's probably a chance that some other lazy podcaster did that. So make it unique. Make it ultra specific. And this is one of the things that NPR said. They said, make it clear and concise. And so ultra specific. And if you can point out the benefit to the listener that they go, ooh, I want to do that. Uh, He also mentioned adding a sense of urgency. So something that Maybe a person might think, oh, I need to listen to this now. We'll talk about that in a second. And also, and this is, again, kind of a duh thing, uh, it's a useful headline. It's not just a word salad. So those are some tips. There are tools. I'll put a link to that again at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 878. There's a free tool that can kind of help you brainstorm your headline. And uh, I like it. There are times when it kind of ends up being a little too, what's the word? Um, clickbaity. And I'm like, I don't want to be clickbaity. I, again, I want to be specific. I want to show the benefit. I don't want to be like, hey, 10,000 pictures of naked women. And then people click on it. It's like, look, here's the best microphone. Yeah, I, I don't want to be that guy. So some other tips from NPR, when they say it's specific, they said, here's a way to think of it. You are in an elevator, the doors are shutting, and somebody walks by, and you have to tell them, like, what's in the episode? Like, what's the biggest benefit? Yeah, get to the point, what's the biggest benefit? It's easy to understand, so keep it simple. If it's long and confusing, if somebody goes, I have no idea what that is, they're not going to click on that. They talk about it leading to a reaction. So, you know, keep people surprised? Is it happy? Is it sad? Imagine someone seeing your headline for the very first time. How is that person going to react? It's not overly clever. Oh, do we love to be so clever where it's this fun little inside joke that doesn't work and it captivates the spirit of the story. What does he mean by that? Well, is it a happy story? Is it a serious one? An investigative piece? Is it written with a unique voice? The style and tone of the story should be reflected in the headline. And I'll have a link to a PDF that kind of summarizes all this from NPR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Speaking of hooking people in, I saw this as like, oh, this is podcasting material. I am watching a show called Daisy Jones and the Six on Amazon Prime. If you're new to the show, I played in bands from the age of about 15 to 40 something. It's a lot of fun. And so I was like, ah, I'm going to get sucked into this show. And I love the way they set this up because on one hand, you might say they spoiled it because they give out the ending, but here's how they set it up. On October 4th, 1977, Daisy Jones and the Six performed to a sold out crowd at Soldier Field in Chicago, Illinois. They were one of the biggest bands in the world at the time, fresh off their award-winning, multi-platinum-selling album, Aurora. It would be their final performance. So at this point, you're kind of like, yeah. 
All right. So a band in the 70s got big. And there's also pictures of people drinking and snorting cocaine and punching each other and looking like somebody shot their puppy, all sorts of emotional shots. And then, so at this point, like, yeah, that's nothing special, right? There's nothing. A band got popular and broke up. Shocking. Okay. But then it says, in the 20 years since, members of the band and their inner circle have refused to speak on record about what happened. Wait for it. Until now. And of course, you know, they've got more pictures of the band and people yelling and screaming and pushing each other. It just looks like a giant mess. And there's a part of you, maybe, especially if you were in a band, that kind of goes, I wonder how, you know, I wonder what happens next. And the graphics are great. If you remember the 70s, as the old joke goes, you weren't there. Uh, I was very little in the 70s, but I remember some of them because I was the youngest of uh, my brother and sister. I was the baby, so I was a little five-year-old hippie, which was great fun. But I just want to point out how they told that story and the hook. Because the minute they said that, I was like, ah. Because there's a part of you like, wait, if nobody talked about it for 20 years, it must be really bad. And that's when you go, I wonder what happens next. Hey, I want to give a shout out to my friends, Jess and Elsie over at ShePodcast.com. And uh, hey, ladies, uh, if you're tired of getting podcast advice from some salt and pepper haired golf addicted soccer dad with a beer belly and a side helping of midlife crisis. Yeah, then you need to go to the podcast conference that's made for you women. It's June 19th through the 22nd in Washington, D.C. Go over to ShePodcast.com because, well, when women show up for each other, magic happens. And I should mention, in case you probably didn't figure this out, that script was not written by Elsie or Jessica. That was written by me. Actually, it was written by ChatGPT. I just went to ChatGPT and I said, give me some typical cliches for white middle-aged men. And that's uh, some of them that they spit out. Speaking of cliches, I was going to play this here in the show. There is a video called If Podcasts Were Honest, and it talks about a lot. It takes a lot of swings at true crime podcasts. It takes a lot of swings at white dudes doing podcasts because they love the sound of their voice. It takes cracks at uh, females who listen to true crime podcasts. And I was like, you know what? That's going to offend somebody. And also it was like nine minutes long. So it's interesting. I liked it because it made me think. It did make me laugh at times because there are some things you're like, yeah, that's kind of true in a way. So I'll put a link to that out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 878. It's called If Podcasts Were Honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Schoolofpodcasting.com is where you can find everything from my contact information. So if you have an idea for the show, I'd love to hear it. If you want more podcasting tips, my newsletter is out there. Or if you want to join the School of Podcasting, that's there as well. Of course, schoolofpodcasting.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Dave Jackson. Until next week, take care. God bless. Class is dismissed.
podcasting since 2005. I'm your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, and my levels are too loud. Chill out, Dave. It leads to a reaction. So imagine, imagine, my mouth did no work today. Then this is where NPR said, make it clear. Make it clear. I don't know. Are they, are they watching a lot of the facts of life? Make it clear. I get a little testy when people come in and, you know, talk wrong. <laughs> You're talking wrong. <laughs> oh.